Hey guys, thank you so much for joining in today on another episode of Cast the Word. It's part four and the final episode of our Rewind season. And today our topic is From Egypt to the Promised Land. Guys, thank you again so much for joining in today. We're here. We finally made it to the end of part one of the Past, Present, and Future series. This episode today will conclude our Rewind season. This season has been a lot of fun for me, and I hope you've enjoyed it as well. Throughout this season, we have discussed some classic Bible stories. We've talked about Abraham and Sarah. We've talked about Samson. In the last episode, we talked about Jonah and asked the question, are we ghosting God? Similar to how Jonah ghosted God when God asked Jonah to go to Nineveh and... and uh, prophesied to that city. And as we move to wrap up the rewind season today, we're going to discuss the life of Moses and what lessons we can learn from his story. There were so many other stories we could talk about throughout this season, and really this season could go on and on, but I thought this would be a good stopping point for us today by wrapping this season up with the story of Moses. I had battled today on whether I was going to be discussing Moses or Joseph, ultimately decided to end with Moses, but maybe in a future episode we'll talk about Joseph because there's a lot of lessons we can learn in, in that story too. So just like the last episode, we're going to be summarizing the story of Moses and get into our points on what his story teaches us. Because the story of Moses stretches over multiple books of the Torah, we're going to be really summarizing the points today for the purpose of time. So I'm going to be really digging into the high-level um, story of, of Exodus and, and the story of Moses as a whole. So there, to be honest, there is going to be some stuff of the story of Moses that I'm, I'm going to be leaving out today. I'm just hitting the highlights and, and the most, um, I guess you could say, popular moments or most well-known moments of the story of Moses. So just wanted to clarify that with you guys today. I'm getting this summary from a website that I feel summarized the book of Exodus very well. I believe the website is pronounced religionextracted.com. Of course, this is, like I said, this is not the entire story of Moses, but this summary concludes the points that I want to discuss with you today. So let's go ahead and dive into it because we've got a lot to talk about today. So Moses was first introduced to us as a helpless baby floating in the Nile River. Now the story takes place 400 years after the story of Joseph concludes in the book of Genesis, and the Israelites have been slaves in Egypt ever since. And because of the rapid increase of population of the Israelites, the Egyptian pharaoh started to become paranoid that the Israelites would eventually overthrow him, so he decided to slaughter the Hebrew boys. Now, Moses' parents decided to place Moses in a basket and put him onto the Nile River in an effort to save his life. Moses was then spotted by the Pharaoh's daughter, who took pity on him and drew him out of the river, and Moses lived as a prince of Egypt from that point on. One day, Moses saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave. He immediately killed him and then out of fear ran into the wilderness. There he encountered seven women by a well who were being bullied by shepherds. Moses not only drew water for them, but also watered the flock. Jethro, the father of the seven young women, was very impressed by Moses' actions, and he welcomed Moses into the family. Jethro even offered him his daughter Zipporah's hand in marriage. Moses went from being a prince of Egypt to herding sheep in Midian. But God had many more plans for Moses. So let's pause here for just a moment, and let's just acknowledge how quickly Moses' life changed. He went from wealth and prestige to being a shepherd. There's so much for us to glean from in this part of Moses' story. Being born or being raised into wealth does not represent your significance in this life. In fact, God often uses the humble in life for mighty works. 
Look at David, for example. David was the youngest of his brothers, which in that time was very significant. Usually the oldest held the birthright and the position of power and prestige, but David was also a shepherd. Yet God used him to kill Goliath, and he eventually, as we know, became king of Israel. Look at Joseph as well as an example. Joseph, too, was the youngest of his brothers, yet he, too, became very significant in the book of Genesis. So this is just something to think about here on the transition of Moses' life when he left Egypt, and there's a spiritual message buried in there that we'll tackle later on today. Okay, back to the story of Moses. So Moses went from being prince of Egypt to herding sheep in Midian. After that, Moses received a call from God near Sinai. He was met by a burning bush. The bush was burning, but it was not consumed. And God told Moses about the people who were suffering in Egypt and how God wanted Moses to bring them to a land flowing with milk and honey. God wanted Moses to persuade the Pharaoh to let his people go. God gave many signs to persuade the Pharaoh, and time and time again, the Pharaoh decided that he was not going to abide by Moses' request and by God's instructions. The Pharaoh had a very hard heart, and he dismissed Moses each time he pleaded with him. But the 10th plague changed it all. We've all heard of the 10 plagues of Egypt. This plague, which is now celebrated as the Passover today, was when all the Egyptian firstborns were killed. This made Pharaoh let all the Israelites leave the land of Egypt. The Israelites were safe from the Passover because they sprinkled blood over their doorpost so the death angel passed over them. So as another quick side note, let's pause for a moment and understand the mirrored image to where we live today in the New Testament and how important the Passover story really is. If we we too will sprinkle the blood of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, our Lord Jesus Christ, on the doorposts of our hearts, then we too will be saved from eternal death. That's an awesome story there. In fact, there's a lot of parallels like that between Moses' life and Jesus, but we're going to focus on, on his life in particular today. So back to the story. The Pharaoh let Moses take the Israelites, and they began on their journey to the Promised Land. But we all know the story of the Red Sea. They're escaping Egypt. Pharaoh has a change of heart. He and his armies decide to attack and, and come at the Israelites at their backs. However, God was always following Moses' footsteps. And when they were surrounded by the army and the Red Sea, God had responded to Moses' cry, and he parted the Red Sea using Moses' rod. So then the children of Israel were able to walk on dry ground through the Red Sea, and as the Egyptians came behind them, the sea crashed down and drowned Pharaoh and his armies. So after the Red Sea, another hardship was the wilderness journey. They had to walk through to get to the Promised Land. There's no doubt that the wilderness brought out the unfaithfulness of the Israelites. The Israelites began cursing God, and they compared their life during the exodus to the life that they had as slaves. Due to their journey and living in the wilderness on their way to the promised land, they said they were fine living as slaves with plenty of bread to eat. It was better than the wilderness starving to death. So it's kind of funny here that the children of Israel saw all these miraculous signs of their exodus from Egypt, but then they get into the wilderness and they start bellyaching about not having enough to eat and saying that their lives in Egypt was better than living in the wilderness. But God had heard their cries and God had listened to Moses and his people's words and God sent down bread from heaven. This bread is called manna. When they finally reached the promised land 40 years later, many of the people that left Egypt to begin with had now passed away, and it was their descendants that were able 
able to enter. Not even Moses was able to enter. In fact, Moses died before they reached the promised land as well. And it was because of the sins that they had committed while journeying through the wilderness that prevented many of the Israelites from entering into the promised land. Moses, in Numbers chapter 20, we read about a story where Moses had broke a rock in order to get water, which was disobedient to God's instructions. And there are different commentaries around this particular story, and we'll just just read the scripture in Numbers 20 about uh, God's instructions to Moses and what Moses did instead. And and there is um, commentary around this if you're interested in, in diving into that. You can research that yourself. In Numbers 20, we read, Moses was told to speak to the rock in the desert to bring forth water to Israel. Numbers 20, verse 8, we read, the Bible say, take the rod and you and your brother Aaron assemble the congregation and speak to the rock before their eyes that it may yield its water. You shall thus bring forth water for them out of the rock and let the congregation and their beasts drink. In frustration, however, with the people of God, Moses chose to strike the rock instead of speaking to it disobeying God's orders. And we read that in Numbers 20, verse 9. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord, just as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock, and he said to them, Listen now, you rebels. Shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, and water came forth abundantly, and the congregation and their beasts drank. So that was, you know, Moses didn't follow the the instructions God had given to him. And um, there's commentary around the fact that, you know, this was disobedient, obviously, to the instructions that God had given to Moses. But, you know, nevertheless, Moses was a great prophet who was chosen by God to lead the Israelites out of slavery from Egypt. He fought through the wilderness and accepted his fate that he was not able to enter into the promised land. And we all know that after the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, we didn't really talk about this in the summary, but Moses spent some time with God on Mount Sinai, and that is where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments that we all know now. And that Moses was able to see through this process, through his relationship with God, he had an experience where he was able to see the backside of the glory of God. And he was placed into the cleft of the rock while God passed by so he could see him. And that's significant as well. And we want to talk about that in a little bit uh, later too. But we read about this uh, story in Exodus 33, verse 12 through 23. One day Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me, I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. Then the Lord replied and said, I will personally go with you. Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. So then in verse 18, Moses responds and says, then show me your glorious presence. The Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, Look, stand near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face 
will not be seen. Moses had an amazing relationship with the Lord, and Moses too is listed in Hebrews 11 as a hero of faith. We read about this in Hebrews 11:23. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose instead to share with the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. Now this synopsis has so many lessons from the life of Moses. It goes without saying, given the significance of Moses in the Torah and the Old Testament in general, that this list that I'm about to give you is not all-inclusive, nor does this summary hit on every aspect of Moses' life in the Torah. But my goal here is to draw the highlights of his story out and to speak to some lessons that are spiritually available for us to tap into today. So I want to lay out 10 points that Moses' story can teach us from a spiritual perspective. And because there are 10, I'll try to go quickly through these. Number one, we all sometimes find ourselves in a world that is not our home. Moses recognized that he did not belong in Egypt. In the spiritual sense, the world is a type of Egypt to the Christians today, and we are all heading towards the promised land. As soon as you sprinkle the blood of Jesus over your doorpost, then you too transition out of Egypt toward the promised land. Notice that Moses was willing to let go of all the money, wealth, and position, and prestige to be a shepherd in the wilderness. He understood that Egypt was not where he belonged. And in the spiritual sense today, we too must understand that this world is not our home. If we are born again Christians, then we do not belong to this world system any longer. Hebrews 13 verse 14 says, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. First Chronicles 29 15 says, we are here for only a moment. Visitors and strangers in this land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. The sooner we recognize that we are not part of this world system, the sooner we can journey on towards the land flowing with milk and honey. This doesn't mean, however, that we should just sit and soak waiting for this life to pass by. You know, that's not what that means. Make use of your time here. God wants us to enjoy our life on this earth with friends, family, and serving the Lord. You know, don't let any moment pass you by too quickly, but also recognize the fact that we have a permanent home that's yet to come. The second point, we all make mistakes. Don't let them cripple your faith. In most Moses' transition from Egypt to the promised land, he committed a great sin. Moses killed a man and fled Egypt into the wilderness. But notice that God still uses Moses. His story was not over. And we've talked about this in so many of the past episodes. These stories offer us so much encouragement and show us about the character of the God that we serve. The fact is that none of us are perfect and we will never achieve perfection on this side of eternity. But that does not mean that we are unable to be used by God. No matter what sin you have committed, there is still hope for you. So don't let your past mistakes cripple your faith or your future. Seek forgiveness of your sins, and when you do that, then forget them and move forward just as God has forgot them. Trust in God that if he can use a man like Moses who killed a person, if he can use a man like David who committed adultery, if he can use a man like Paul who also killed Christian people and still used Paul to write a majority of the New Testament, then God can still use you today. Point number three, we can all have a burning 
burning bush moment. We talked about the burning bush, but I want to actually read the scripture here as well from Exodus 3 verses 1 through 12. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it did not burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush saying, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel have reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? But God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. And we know that Mount Sinai is where God and Moses met together and where we got the Ten Commandments and where we had that story of of, uh, God passing by and Moses seeing his glory from the backside. This story tells me that we can all have a burning bush moment, a moment in our lives that we see as a turning point in our Christian walk. This moment for Moses changed the trajectory of his entire life until the day he died. This moment for Moses started a journey that would see the people of Israel be set free and would result in him receiving the Ten Commandments. This all started at the burning bush. Acts 10.34 teaches us that God shows no favoritism. He is not a respecter of persons. We hear a lot of people today say that the miracles in the Old Testament would never happen today. And to that I disagree because God shows no favoritism and because God is not a respecter of persons. What God did for Moses, God can do for us as well. He's still the same God. I believe it is just a matter of how bad we want it and how much we are willing to seek it out. God understood what was in Moses' heart and knew what he would do and what he would be used for before he even spoke through the burning bush. And God knows what is in your heart as well. For many of us, our burning bush moment happened at the moment of salvation, right? That's the moment that changed the course of our lives for the rest of our life. This was and will always be the greatest moment in all of our Christian walks. But I still believe that God wants to show us more in this life. And I believe he will if we seek him out. Seek the opportunity that will change the course of your life for the rest of your days. Number four, have faith and watch what God can do. Moses saw some pretty interesting stuff when he was trying to urge the Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. He also witnessed, which is my personal opinion, one of the coolest moments in the Old Testament, which is the splitting of the Red Sea and being able to walk through in the middle on dry ground. If that wasn't a faith builder for Moses, then I don't know what would be. And it should have been a faith builder for the people of Israel as well. But as we briefly read, the Israelites had their moments of downfall after their exodus from Egypt. And just like the Israelites, 
I'd submit to you that we too today have our moments as well, even after our point of salvation, because we're human and humans are flawed. But I challenge you to have faith in God and watch what he can do for you and for us. God wants us to show him how much we trust him, and he wants us to show him the level of our faith. Just like Jesus told Thomas after his resurrection, it is easy to see and then believe, but blessed are those who do not see yet still believe. Many people go through this life saying, prove it to me, show it to me, and then I'll believe it. But this is contrary to the way we walk as Christians. Instead, our mindset and our focus should always be, first, I will believe it, and then God will show it to me. Number five, we will all face opposition at some point in our lives. Moses throughout his life faced quite a bit of opposition. In regards to the Exodus, Moses faced quite a bit of opposition from the Pharaoh in Egypt as well. Moses was on a mission doing what God had called him to do, and there was Pharaoh blocking and opposing him every step of the way. We will find people just like this in our walk through life. And I promise you that as soon as you start doing something for God and for the kingdom of God, then the opposition will only turn up 10 times hotter. But take hope in this because this should be a sign for you that you must be doing something right. If you're not doing anything at all, then there will probably not be much, if any, opposition. But once you start living for God or working things out for the kingdom of God, then the opposition will quickly come flooding in. Even though it is hard to experience these type of hardships, even though it isn't easy, try to rest in this. And the reason I say that is because the world opposed Jesus too, and the world will also oppose you. If the world opposed Jesus, then the world will definitely oppose us, right? But if you're facing opposition while working things out according to scripture and according to the word and according to the calling on your life, then rest in the fact that you are a threat to the enemy. And that opposition is only a testimony to what you really are accomplishing for the kingdom of God. Number six, find time to get alone with God and he will show you his glory. We read earlier from Exodus 33 where Moses prayed for God to show him his glory and God did. And reflecting back on the scripture we read in Acts 10 34, God does not show favoritism. Yes, Moses was a great prophet of the Lord and he accomplished a lot for God's kingdom and was arguably closer to the Lord than many other characters we read throughout the Bible as well. But this does not mean that we too cannot see the glory of God manifest in our life. The question is, what are you willing to sacrifice in order for the fire of God to fall in your life? The question is, what are you willing to go through in order to see the glory of God manifest in your life? God wants you to show him how important he is to your everyday life. And only then, when we find time to get alone with God, when we find time to read his word, when we find time to pray, and when we find time to seek his face, only then will he show us great and mighty things that we've never seen before. Number seven, we can all learn to let God fight our battles. The story of Moses teaches us that sometimes we just need to be still and let God fight our battles. Exodus 14 verse 14 says, the Lord will fight for you, just stay calm. We've talked about this before on this podcast and this can be a hard task for us to do and that as humans, it is natural for us to want to get involved or want to fix things ourselves or want to fight our battles ourselves. But how many of you know that it is so much easier to rest in God knowing that he will Will fight your battles for you. Moses showed his faith in God when he went to battle against Pharaoh in order to get the Israelites out of Egypt, and God fought the battle for him along the way. All Moses had to do is trust in God and follow his commands. So let's trust in the Lord with all our heart and rest in the palm of his hand and watch what he will do on our behalf. Number eight, we all need to learn to let 
Egypt go and look forward to the promised land. The people of Israel had a hard time letting Egypt go. They challenged Moses that they were better off living in Egypt where they could eat and drink as opposed to living in the wilderness out of bondage. And today, if we are not saved from our sin and have yet to accept Christ as our Savior, then we too are still in a place of Egypt serving as slaves to this world living in bondage. But Jesus, who is our spiritual Moses, has come to rescue us out of slavery and we no longer have to live in Egypt anymore. However, we must learn to let some things of our past go. It took 40 years for the Israelites to get from Egypt to the promised land, which leads me to my next point. Number nine, learn from Israel and don't let 40 years pass before you can reach the moment of rest and peace in your life today. Don't battle with the old nature you have had in Egypt for 40 years before you can pass into a moment of rest and peace. Yes, we have the blessed hope that one day when we take our last breath, we'll step into heaven, but that does not mean we have to live in bondage while we are here in this life. God wants us to live in peace and rest. So learn to let Egypt go and set your path forward to the promised land, the land of peace and rest. We cannot get to this place by ourselves though. We must go with God. We must lean on God and allow him to guide us. How does he primarily do this? Through his word. So find rest in his word and find peace in the promises in the word of God and what the Bible has to offer, not just for the life to come, but for your life today as well. And use your year serving God and showing him that you can rest and have peace in his promises. And the last point is this, when you're in your own wilderness, trust God to lead the way. When we are in the wilderness, we must learn to still look to God as the author and the finisher of our faith. We may not always understand why we are in the wilderness or how long we may be in there, but instead of living down, recognize that this wilderness you're currently in is just a season and that the season will not last 40 years. And while you're there, let God lead you in the wilderness. He is always there for you and he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. Trust in him, have faith in him and rest in the fact that we are all on our own journeys from Egypt to the promised land. Guys, I really hope that you have enjoyed this rewind season. As we now conclude part one of the past, present, and future series, next we'll be looking to the present in a season we're calling play and pause. I'm excited about this season as well as we continue dissecting the word of God one episode at a time. Thank you guys so much for your continued support. And if you feel led, please share this podcast with your friends and family. I really appreciate that. And we can all do our part to cast the word. Stay strong in the faith, friends. And I look forward to talking talking to you next time.